Let's look here at Romans chapter 8 and verse number 31. Scripture asks this question, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We looked at that last Sunday. Last Sunday morning we saw in verses 26 and 27 that the Spirit of God is for us. He's for us in our infirmities and can help bear our infirmities and, and make intercession for us, the Bible says, according to the will of God. Then last Sunday night we looked at how God the Father is for us and that He didn't spare His own Son, but delivered Him up to be the propitiation. And it's a Bible word. It just means He's the satisfactory payment for our sins. And if God's for us, who can be against us? And we answered that question and looked at that last week. Verse 33 says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? What is that talking about? Well, 5.30, you be back here tonight, and we're going to look at the elect. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? We're going to talk, look at election in the Bible and, and what that means. But you come back tonight at 5.30. Uh, we'll look at that then. It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? We're going to look at three questions in our text this morning that will help us have the answer to that question. The first question that we need to answer, he says, and he lays out here for us in verse number 40, 34, Who is he that condemneth? Who is he that condemneth? Well, you know, in our day and age, you hear people say uh, that, that uh, well, Christians shouldn't judge, and had somebody tell me that at the fair, you know, we shouldn't judge. But scripturally, who is he that condemneth? Well, the Bible says in the phrase right before that, it is God that justifieth. It is God that justifieth. And Paul has laid some groundwork here in the preceding chapters here to Romans chapter 8. Notice what else Paul has said through the inspiration of the Spirit. Notice what else what has been said about God justifying. Look at uh, Romans chapter 3 and verse 26. If you would with me, please. Romans chapter 3, just a few chapters before this. Um, and we'll start in verse number, let's start in verse 24, or verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, and we know I said earlier that means a satisfactory payment, through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. And we know because of the sacrifice that Christ gave, that God is not an unjust God. He is a holy God. He is a perfect God. 
And a holy, perfect God must judge sin. Well, how is it that you and I as sinners, we see Romans uh, 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How is it that God can maintain His justice and yet justify us through the sacrifice of Christ? Christ took the payment, the wrath, the penalty that you and I deserve for our sins. He bore that, the Scripture says, in His own body so that you and I could be declared justified, declared righteous by God. So God here is just and He is the justifier. But then look over one more chapter, Romans chapter 4 and verse 5. And we see here specifically who God has justified. Romans chapter 4 verse 5 says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And aren't you glad that even though we were the ungodly, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That God justifies the ungodly through faith, through faith in Jesus Christ, through faith that is counted for righteousness. So back to our text here in Romans chapter 8, the scripture says, it is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? Who is he that condemneth? If God has justified you, you were a sinner, uh, lost in your sin and on your way to hell, but you believed by faith that Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again. You believed in Christ. The Bible says God has justified you. Who is it that's going to condemn you? He goes on proceeds further here in verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. We're going to see later the question where it's asked, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? But we first have to realize the love of Christ. The love that Christ has for us has been demonstrated through His sacrifice on the cross. Notice with me, if you would, in, uh, hold, your, hold your place, or we'll be back to Romans, but look at John 3. John chapter 3. We're going to notice the demonstration of Christ's love. Who is He that condemneth? Well, John chapter 3, and we'll start in a very familiar passage, John chapter 3 and verse 16. The scripture here says, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. You notice that? So who is he that condemneth? Well, if somebody has believed on Christ, then the scripture here says, he's not condemned, but continue with the verse. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So the scripture asks the question, who is he that condemneth? Well, the one ultimately who will condemn is Jesus Christ. And it's all based upon whether somebody has placed their trust in Him and His sacrifice on the cross that He gave. The Scripture says, For those that have believed, 
They're not condemned. But for those that have believed not, they're condemned already. And they stand condemned and under the judgment of God that apart from Christ, if they die and they go out into eternity, they will face the execution of that judgment in hell. But what about the love of Christ? If, uh, why, would, why would God... Well, the Scripture says that Christ came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. You see, notice uh, with me again the demonstration of Christ's love from Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. The Scripture in our text there in Romans says, It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. And notice this amazing demonstration of the love of Christ in Matthew 27. We'll start in verse 26. Matthew 27, verse 26. If you remember, the Jews were given an opportunity by Pilate to release one of the prisoners, either Jesus or Barabbas, and they cried out for him to release Barabbas. So verse 26 says, Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, they had mocked him. They took the robe from off him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land into the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Lama sabachthani, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after His resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were there with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this man was the Son of God. 
It, this was an amazing demonstration of the love of Christ. He has told his disciples before this, he said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And then he said, You're my friends if you do whatsoever I, I command you. And we know that Jesus Christ, in the most ultimate display of his love, bore that wrath, bore that penalty that you and I deserve. The scripture there, we read it in verses 46. He said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And if it weren't for our faith in Jesus Christ and in the, the sacrifice that He gave, if it were not for Him accomplishing this work, you and I ultimately would have said that. We would have been forsaken by God and cast into hell. But the Scripture here says that Jesus demonstrated His love for us and that He took that payment. He took that penalty on Himself. Notice with me also this demonstration from 1 John chapter 4. All the way back in your New Testament... Just a few books before the book of Revelation. 1 John chapter 4. The scripture said, It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. And we see this, the love demonstrated by our Lord here in 1 John chapter 4. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Verse 7, Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And right there, there may be people that say, well, why would a loving God send someone to hell? This loving God provided the way out. He provided the escape. And God doesn't send people to hell because He likes that or because that's fun. Men choose that for themselves. Notice, notice the display of God's love in verse 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested or shown the love of God toward us, because God that sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus Christ demonstrated the ultimate love for you and I by taking our place. I mean, there's a lot of things that I would do for another person. There may be things that we would suffer or, that, or, or pain that we would have inflicted upon ourselves in order to, to save a child or to save a loved one. But Jesus Christ bore the wrath of God that we deserve for our sins on Him. That love is unsurpassed. And that's why John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. It was in such a manner that He would selflessly sacrifice His own Son there on the cross. So, the Scripture asks back in our text in Romans chapter 8, Who is He that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, and notice He doesn't leave this part. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Jesus Christ not only died on the cross, but He rose from the dead three days later. You know in the book of Acts, when the guys started preaching Jesus and the resurrection, how much that the Scripture says it turned their world upside down? You see Paul debating, or not debating, but you see Paul giving the gospel to the Athenians there, uh, there at Mars Hill. And he's talking to Epicureans and the Stoics, the, these great philosophers of the day. And, uh, and when you see the culture in which they live there in Athens, I mean, that, that culture was at, at its height, you know, um, in all these different areas that, uh, of education. And Paul preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. 
And the scripture there in Acts says, when they heard of the resurrection, some mocked. Others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. You know, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And let's not stop at the death of Christ. Let's make sure that we tell people about the resurrection. Because if Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that's different than Buddha, that's different than Muhammad, that's different than all of them. Because that, the Bible says that He declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. So Jesus Christ, the Scripture says, yea, rather, He rose again. And you know, you and I, you know, our theme this year is come boldly. When you come before God, you come before a risen, living Savior. God says that He has the power to make alive and He has the power to kill. Jesus Christ has the power in Himself to give life. And man, it's awesome being born again. And knowing that we have the Spirit of God and Jesus Christ has that power. He is God. So, it is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. But notice what He's doing for us. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. You know, Christ didn't just die on the cross and rise from the dead. And you place your faith and trust in Him. You get saved and, and you're doing great as a Christian. There, there, at no point can you come to a point in your Christian life where Jesus looks at you and says, No, oh, man, Chad, man, you're doing so good there, but come on, really? You're going you're gonna to do that sin? Man, I wish I hadn't died for you. You know, as a believer, you can never come to that point. The Scripture says that He also maketh intercession for us. The Scripture says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I mean, but, but, but what, if I, what if I mess up? Or what if I do this certain thing? Or, or man, this is, this is going so wrong in my life right now. Is He still there? Well, I love the verse in Hebrews. It says this, Wherefore, He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. You know when Jesus' intercession for you is going to stop? Not when you sin really bad. When He dies. <laughs> is He ever going to die? He said, no, behold, I am alive forevermore. So as long as Christ is living, which is all eternity, no, no man takes His life from Him. Jesus said, I lay down my life, I take it. No man taketh it from me. So as long as He's alive, you have an intercessor. This week that's been all messed up, this month that's been all messed up, this year that's been all messed up for you, He's still an intercessor. And He's still there to bear your burden and to help you through your problems. He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. And then 1 John 2, 1 says, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So who is He that condemneth? You know, Satan, the Bible says in Revelation that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Well, keep accusing, Satan. Keep accusing. Because I have one that stands there for me, having shed his blood to pay for my sins. And who is he that condemneth? If we've trusted in Christ as our Savior, we will never be condemned. And the first, and the, this, this chapter starts out that way. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So who's going to condemn you before God? If you're saved, your sins are washed away. You are bought by the blood of the Lamb. Who is he that condemneth? So that's the first question that we looked at. Who is he that condemneth? 
Well, it's Christ. And if you're saved, He's not going to condemn you. Number two, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You see that there in verse 35? This amazing love has been demonstrated by Christ. The sacrifice that He gave. Well, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And what we have here, there are four testimonies that are given or that we see here in the Scriptures. And the first testimony is the testimony of Paul. All right? So let's see here. Uh, Derek, why don't you come on up here? You get to be Paul this morning. So Derek is going to represent Paul, and we're going to find out about Paul's testimony this morning. Who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? All right? So you come on up here. And let's read about some of the things that Paul said might happen in his life. All right? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril? Now, as I'm reading through that list, I'm like, man, just in case you thought you were having a bad day. All right. But we're going to see Paul. Man, you went through a lot of stuff in your life. You know, a lot of people are like, man, I wish I was like the Apostle Paul. Well, some of the stuff that you faced, Paul, I'd rather not do that if I don't have to. <laughs> but let's look. Hold your place here and look at um, where are we going, Paul. You wrote it. Um, <laughs> Second Corinthians. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11. And verse 24. All right, so, uh, you know, from time to time we'll have a missionary come and they give us a report, they give us an update on their ministry. And they'll be like, yeah, we had this many people say it and we were building the church. And, you know, every once in a while, you, you know, somebody will face a theft. Well, Paul's about to give us a missionary report. We're glad that uh, you surrendered to the mission field, that you're living for God. But uh, go ahead and give us the report. All right. And this is the report that Paul would be giving. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Is that like Navy SEAL training or what? What are you, what are you doing there? Uh, verse 26. In journeyings often. In, and notice, notice how many times he uses the words that are in Romans chapter 8 in our text. So you've got in perils of waters and perils of robbers and perils by my own countrymen. It's like so much stuff happened to him. It's like he ran out of other things to say. Like there were just perils of these guys, perils of these guys, uh, perils by my by the heathen. We know perils like a danger. His life was threatened. Perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, and weariness and painfulness and watchings oft. And notice this: hunger and thirst. He had mentioned famine and nakedness there in, in Romans, and fastings off in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, the, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Skip over to chapter 12, in verse number 7. He says, And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I, 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 must thought, I besought the Lord thrice, Say that three times fast. That it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in... What's the next word? Distresses, persecutions, distresses. We also saw those in Romans 8. He says, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. So Paul here gets beaten. He gets shipwrecked. He's facing perils of his own countrymen, of those that are without in the wilderness. He, he can't go to the wilderness. 
He can't go to the backside of the desert and not have stuff coming at him. Danger and peril. And he says, in distresses and persecutions. But you know, if Paul were to stand here and give this testimony before us today, how he ends that? At no time, or at least he learned through those times, when the persecution and the distress and the perils were coming, those didn't mean that God loved him any less. He didn't get out there floating on a log and say, man, if God loved me, this wouldn't be happening. At no time, or, or, or we, at, 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 we don't really see it recorded that he said that, but if he did, he at least learned this by the end of them, that when he was made weak, he realized the strength that he had in Christ. That none of those things ever separated him from the love of Christ. So thanks, Paul. Thanks for that testimony this morning. That's great. Now, Romans chapter 8. Let's go back to our text. So we see the testimony of Paul. And then he says in verse 36, As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. All right, Josh, come on up here. Thanks, man, for being the testimony of the Jew. Okay, so Josh, you come on up here. So Josh kind of doesn't really resemble a Jew, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) um, Psalm 44, all right? Uh, Look at Psalm 44. This is a reference from the book of Psalms, and we'll see Psalm 44. The Jews also had this testimony. And... uh, you know, the, the, the scriptures are the most important thing that you're going to get this morning. And so this, we're going to read through the chapter because I think it'll help uh, set up the rest of what we're doing. But Psalm 44, the scripture here says, We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days, in the times of old, how thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand and planted them, how thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them. But thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hast a favor unto them. Thou art my king, O God. Command deliverances for Jacob. Look down at verse number uh, 9. But thou hast cast off and put us to shame and goest not forth with our armies. Thou makest us to turn back from the enemy, and they which hate us spoil for themselves. Thou hast given us like sheep appointed for meat and hast scattered us among the heathen. Thou sellest thy people for naught, and dost not increase thy wealth by their price. Thou makest us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a derision to them that are round about us. Thou makest us a byword among the heathen, a shaking of, of the head among the people. My confusion is continually before me, and the shame of my face hath covered me. Look down at verse 21. Shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. Yea, for thy sake... We are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Awake, why sleepest thou, O Lord? Arise, cast us not off forever. Wherefore hidest thou thy face and forgettest our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the earth. Our belly cleaveth unto the earth. Arise for our help and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. You know, there were periods of time throughout the Jewish history that they've been persecuted. They've been where their enemies tried to annihilate them. And even today, there are people, there are leaders of countries that would want to wipe them off the face of the earth. 
And the testimony of this Jew was, God, we're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. It's like we're just lined up and we just keep getting killed and keep getting killed and more of us and more of us die. That's his testimony. But you know, the, Jew, the Jews, through all of that, were never separated from the love of God, which is in Christ. They were never separated from the love of God. You know how I know this? Thanks for the testimony, man. Sit down. You know how I know this? Look at Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, you think, well, what about the Jews? I mean, look at the Holocaust. Six million of them, where Hitler tried to wipe them out. Does that mean that God loves them any less? Uh, and I imagine if I was a Jew in that day in, in World War II, I would have thought, God, hast thou cast us off forever? Are we no longer your people? God, the, the, the promises that you gave to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, are, 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 uh, did you, have you scrapped that plan and moved on to something else? Romans chapter 11, verse 1. I say then, hath God cast away His people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away His people, which He foreknew. And He goes on there to say, to, to give Old Testament Scriptures that they, the Jews are still God's chosen people. And they may feel today like God has uh, uh, not blessing them or maybe God's not fulfilling those promises. But we know that in this church age, there is a gap there. And God, once He raptures us out of here, will again deal with this world through His people, the Jews. So, in our text, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And Paul gives these things, Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril? And I skipped over this one. Or sword? It's the testimony of James. The scripture says in Acts chapter 12, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. You see, there, there are these things that as believers, we're so blessed in America that so many times we, we don't face that. But there may come a day in which we face it. But you know what? There are things as a believer that you and I face. And he asks the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Well, let me ask you, is tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, are those whose? No... Their means. And you think about, there are all kinds of people that may use these means in your life to make you feel, to get you to a point where you feel like, God, man, if God loved me, or if I had, if I had not made God mad, man, this wouldn't be happening. And you get defeated in, in, in your Christian life. Just because bad stuff's happening doesn't mean that God has stopped loving you. None of that stuff. The, the, maybe something you faced this year, maybe something that you have faced within the last month or the last week. It's so hard and you feel like, man, is God just, where is God? That cannot separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ. He says here, the sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You know, that can be the testimony this morning of every believer. We're more than conquerors. To give you a few references, we don't have time to turn to them all, but let me give them to you. 1 Corinthians 15 says, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The context there is death. Where's thy sting? 
grave, where is thy victory? For, for us as a believer to die, the Bible says, Paul says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we die, this mortal shall put on immortality, this corruption shall put on incorruptible. Second Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. And as I read that, man, I'm like you guys. You know, I'm thinking, he says in the verse, he always causes us to triumph. What about the times that I don't triumph? Well, he says, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. You know, every time you're filled with the Spirit, you know, Christ is in you, you are in Christ. But it takes the Spirit of God to enable us to have the victory over sin in our lives. First John 4, 4, he says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, these, these false uh, uh, teachers, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And First John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith, even our faith. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We could go one by one through these things this morning. We could go through death and life and identify places in the Scriptures where God gives us the victory and, and that just can't separate us from His love. Let me give you one. On death, um, uh, one of the commentators, Alexander McLaren, said this, can death, the idea, can death separate us from the love of God? How beautifully this thought contrasts with the saddest aspect of the power of death in our human experience. You know, death is one of the saddest things that can happen to, in our experience, right, as humans. He is death the separator who unclasps our hands from the closest, dearest grasp and divides asunder joints and marrow and parts, soul and body and withdraws us from all our habitude and associations and occupations and loosens every bond of society and concord and hails us away into a lonely land. But there is one bond which his abhorred shears cannot cut. Their edge is turned on it. One hand holds us in a grasp which the fleshless fingers of death in vain strive to loosen. The separator becomes the uniter. He rends us apart from the world that he may bring us to God. The love filtered by drops on us in life is poured upon us in a flood of death. So what's he saying? Death, for you and I, it's separation. You know, my grandfather, he died when I was a senior in high school. I'm separated from him. But you know what's going to bring me to Christ? If it's not the rapture, Death. And so though He tries to, to, to rip us apart, He merely, as for the believer, brings us and ushers us into the presence of God. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life. Angels? Do angels have the power to separate us? Well, the Bible says they're ministering spirits. And uh, you think about uh, principalities or powers, you know. Uh, we're admonished there in Ephesians chapter 6 to put on the whole, whole armor of God because we're in a spiritual battle. But they can't separate us from this love, nor things present, nor things to come. There is nothing that you will ever do in your life to make God love you any less. Say, so, well, what about that? Nope. 
Is that something that's still yet to come? Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the first question we answer this morning is, who is he that condemneth? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you've placed your faith and trust in him, you're not condemned. But if you haven't, Scripture says you're condemned already. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ. Number two, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Nothing. Say, well, I don't see a third question in here. Well, this is my third question for you. Are you persuaded? Are you persuaded? You see, we could go through the scriptures here this morning and, and we could show you this is just this is what it says. And Paul says, For I am persuaded. And in another scripture, Paul says, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul was, it was set in stone for him. He, he believed the scripture for you this morning. Are you going to believe the feelings that you have in those hard times, in those times when you feel like God's a million miles away? Are you going to trust feelings? Or based upon God's promise to you, will you be persuaded? So this morning, my question to you is, Paul's persuaded. Are you persuaded? Are you persuaded that nothing has separated or can separate you from the love that God has for you? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your grace and thank you for...